and shared in good faith by someone I have never met. I identify with the author who told a friend, quote, I would have said less, but I didn't have the time. It is indeed harder to say less. So here are short answers to some of life's big questions. The question and answer format of Life Preservers has given me the opportunity to address the broadest range of human dilemmas and for listeners to hear my views on just about everything. I trust that women, and men too, will find themselves, take what's useful, run with it, and ignore the rest. What we think is most shameful and unique about ourselves is often what's most universal and shared. It helps to hear other people's struggles and to recognize that humans are more alike than different. I want to thank all the women and men who've responded to my work with overwhelming gratitude and with more questions. The generous and inquiring letters from my readers are a life preserver for me. Part 1. Mr. Right and Mr. Wrong By the time I started graduate school in the 60s, I had a vivid image of the man I was looking for. He was tall and thin, with dark curly hair and intense brown eyes. He rode a racing bike to classes at Columbia University where he majored in psychology or English literature and he worked in his spare time for nuclear disarmament. He played guitar and flute and wrote poetry which he read aloud to me at night. Both in and out of bed he moved with perfect ease and grace. He was passionate and restrained, funny and serious, intellectual and unpretentious. He knew how to fix things that broke and how to tie good knots on packages. We would live together for two years in a loft in Greenwich Village, after which time we would marry. Shortly thereafter, he would publish his first book, which he would dedicate to me, his wife. Though some of us may not have quite such a detailed picture of their ideal partner, we all know pretty much what we're looking for. Just ask us or check the personal ads in the local paper. While individual taste varies, we all want a partner who is mature and intelligent, loyal and trustworthy, loving and attentive, sensitive and open, kind and nurturant, competent and responsible. I have yet to meet a woman who says to me, quote, well, to be honest, I'm hoping to find an irresponsible, distant, ill-tempered sort of guy who sulks a lot and won't pick up after himself. But the kind of person we say we want, and who we're actually drawn to or settle for, is a different matter entirely. Few of us evaluate a prospective partner with the same objectivity and clarity that we would use to select a household appliance or a car. Too many unconscious factors get in the way. One of the most powerful influences on our choice of a mate is the experience in our first family, including the quality of our parents' relationship to each other, to us, and to their own family of origin. We are also deeply affected by gender roles, the specific meanings attached to being male or female that have evolved over many generations in our particular family, class, and ethnic group. Timing is an issue as well. We're prone to fall mindlessly in love at difficult emotional junctures, 
like on the heels of an important loss, for example, when we're least likely to think clearly. Or we may compromise too much in a relationship or dissipate our energy trying to change him, having been taught that any man is better than no man at all. Moreover, it's almost impossible to imagine what intimate relationships with men or women would look like in a different world of true gender equality. Historically speaking, women have learned to sacrifice the I for the we, just as men have been encouraged to do the opposite, to bolster the I at the expense of nurturing the growth of other family members. Many women still end up in relationships where their wants, beliefs, priorities, ambitions are compromised under relationship pressures. Of course, all relationships require flexibility and give and take. We don't always get what we want. But a problem arises when we do more than our 50% of giving in and going along. Many women believe that relationships with men are supposed to be the source of our greatest joy and fulfillment. And then we struggle terribly when these relationships are all too frequently a source of pain and disappointment. Women still tell me that they love too much or not enough or in the wrong way or with a poorly chosen partner. The majority of letters I receive are from women seeking intimacy in unhappy relationships with men. All relationships can be seen as laboratories in which we can solve problems, engage in bold and courageous acts of change, and work toward defining ourselves. Even small steps in this direction will allow us to know ourselves and our partners better. That's a worthwhile venture, whether we stay together over the long haul or move on. Why can't I find Mr. Wright? Dear Harriet, I'm a happy, productive, and successful single woman in her late 40s who would very much like to remarry. My first husband divorced me eight years ago. The problem is that Mr. Wright has just not come along. I've read several inspirational and self-help books that say when a woman is ready, the right man will arrive. Does the fact that I'm still single mean that I have problems with intimacy that require psychotherapy? Dear listener, many popular books falsely imply that if only we would overcome our personal problems and behave in the right way, we would have no difficulty finding and keeping a man. Yes, there he'd be gals waiting in the corridor or coming out of the woodwork, ready for intimacy. And then we're apt to blame ourselves rather than these books or tapes when he fails to show up. Psychotherapy can help you address conflicts with intimacy. We all have them. But no amount of hard work will guarantee that Mr. Wright will appear. Nor does your single status indicate a problem. That old adage, a good man is hard to find, is true, as you know from experience. And it becomes even truer as we get older, more settled, more successful, and rightfully fussier. You're the best judge of whether you have problems of your own that might stand in your way. If Mr. Wright magically appeared at your door tomorrow, would anything block you from getting off to a good start? 
Would there be something in the way of your achieving greater intimacy over time? What in your history with men may give you reason to be concerned? Do the obvious. Maximize any opportunities to meet new people. Remind your friends that you want their help, introducing you to suitable men. And as for therapy, finding the, quote, right man is partly a matter of emotional readiness, but it's also a matter of opportunity, effort, and, yes, luck. My fiancé has a violent temper. Dear Harriet, I am engaged to a man named Sam who is generous, loving, and considerate. However, he has a violent temper. He sometimes throws furniture around, and once he slammed his fist into a wall. This makes me very nervous. Is it possible that he might one day hit me? Dear listener, Sam may hit you someday. Any man who is out of control during the engagement stage of a relationship may become more out of control in the future. Marriage is like a lightning rod, absorbing tensions from every source. Add children or simply the inevitable stresses of the life cycle, and Sam's violent temper may well intensify. In a society where every statistic on violence against women has soared in the past two decades, you have good reason to be nervous. On the other hand, Sam may never hit you. Even the most logical and careful predictions are sometimes wrong. No one can say with absolute certainty if or when Sam will hit you. Have you talked to Sam about your concerns? If not, pick a calm time and question him directly. Has he ever hit anyone?